Welcome to Sexual Craftsmanship, the podcast that teaches you how to develop sexual confidence and become a better lover using a system of practice suited for dating and sex in today's world. No experience necessary. And now, here's your host, certified sex coach, sociologist, and mega nerd, Sarah Martin. Hello, craftsmen. How are you doing today? To be perfectly transparent, I'm struggling a little bit here. While I'm happy we've made it to the end of another month, it seems like the world's gone even madder than than I would have expected in this year of 2020. Not going to lie, it does affect me when I see these things happening all around the world. So if you are also feeling it a little bit, I invite you now to just take a couple of deep breaths with me before we dive into today's episode. So I invite you to close your eyes and breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And again, in through your nose and out through your mouth. And then one more time, in through your nose and out through your mouth. It's kind of nice, isn't it, to stop and take a moment to breathe. And in particular, given that here in 2020, we're all worried about a, a virus that can affect the lungs. It's also nice to take a moment and just feel grateful and happy for the simple pleasure of a deep breath in our lungs. So, Today, I am really pleased to be bringing you the next Her Side episode of the Sexual Craftsmanship Podcast. And the Her Side episodes, I decided to create this series of episodes because a really common concern men bring to me is, oh, I really wish I could get some feedback. I wish I could learn from partners or dates what they liked, what they didn't like, so that I can iterate and improve And this is a really normal impulse, I think, for systems thinkers. And the thing is, a lot of the times we're not able to get that feedback when it comes to sex and relationships. So what I've done here instead is I've invited a number of women who date, have sex with, have relationships with men in STEM to come along and share their side of the experience So while this isn't prescriptive or specific to your situation, I encourage you to listen to this episode and see what can you take away from this and what resonates with you in your experiences. And remember, the Her Side episodes that I share here on the podcast, these are excerpts from the extended interviews that I've done with each of these guests. And the extended interviews are available exclusively to supporters of this podcast through Patreon.com. So if you would like to hear the extended interview, please head over to Patreon.com forward slash Sarah Martin. And all of the info about how to get involved is there. And if you enjoy this podcast, please tell a friend about it. You can also follow or subscribe to this podcast to be sure that you never miss an episode. So today, we're going to be hearing from Paulina, and I'd love to let her introduce herself now in her own words. So 
I'm uh, I'm 37 years old. I'm I'm Russian. I actually come from a family with some nerd people. And it, for example, my elder brother, he's very much into computer science. Uh, he mm-hmm. he uh, he's been always surrounded by computers, uh, friends in uh, IT area, and there was a lot of stereotypes or um, like ambitious raised in my family that if I one day to date a man, he will be definitely from the field of IT. Because that was the way, that was the shortest way to access a man. So through the friends of my brother. So, but uh, for some reason, I wasn't very excited about man in IT. And Paulina and I had a conversation that lasted right around an hour. And I'm going to be bringing you into that conversation right, right at the beginning. In fact, I think we're at about the two minute mark here. And let's see what Paulina has to share with us. First, I was wondering, too, could you tell us just a little bit about your dating life? So what do you enjoy doing on dates? How have you met people in the past to go on dates? And you know, just a little bit about how you approach dating. So I'm one of those people who actually started dating quite late, like... Um, I mean, it might be considered late, but it happened when I was already over 20. And I did different kind of datings, blind datings, dating through like friends of my friends, then online also dating. And uh, But now at this particular moment, I'm in stable relations that's over three years already. With what you outlined there, so starting dating in around your 20s, meeting friends of friends or online dating, I'm just wondering over that span of time, what kinds of relationships have you experienced and which kinds do you prefer? And what I mean by that, some examples would be, you know, anything from one night stands and casual sex to friends with benefits or short-term dating, or long-term dating, mm-hmm. or even polyamorous dating, or monogamous dating? Uh, what's What's been your experience? What's your preference? Let's say from the beginning, I didn't even think about my preferences. I was very much driven by the idea that I need to find a husband for myself. So that's why I was very much into the idea that the first dating should lead to something else, to something more, to something deeper. And um, I wasn't one of those who supported the idea of like polyamorous relations or dating here and there. So let's say every first day I was considered as a, as a step towards something long term. <laughs> And only through the time uh, and through getting different kind of experience, I realized, okay, actually, like, one day it might be fun. Why night stand also might be fun. And um, (laughs) to be adventurous can be fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there wasn't, I wouldn't say there was some particular preference that there was a lot of things that were guided by by life that people were around me and even my mood. And do you remember when that shifted for you? 
when you went from thinking that, you know, even from the first date, it had to lead to something towards a different view that, hey, actually, all of these different things can be fun in their own way? I I went through very traumatizing relations, like um, mm. when I was with one person and there was on the way something to happen. We were also on the way to marry, but then we break up, broke up, and then it, like we tried to get together back within like several years with some interruptions. And then at some moment I realized, no, that's not how it is supposed to be. And uh, long-term relations can be absolutely traumatizing. And before you step into something you think might be really serious, there are more opportunities to explore and see who are those people there. And um, so let's say before you make some kind of agreement with yourself that you want something serious, you yourself need to understand who you are and what are those relations with different people can be. Yeah. So, and then the, I think the exploration started in a, <laughs> I would define it in an absolutely crazy way. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call mm. it promiscuity, but I was very close to that. <laughs> well, more power to you. You know, there's lots of different pathways to, to learning what it is that you want. And I think you said something so important in that initially your preferences weren't factoring into your decisions. And then... When this change happened, I guess that was also the moment when you decided, yeah, I get to have preferences too. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm wondering now, getting a little bit more specific to my listeners, are you specifically attracted to men in STEM or was this like a coincidence that you wound up dating somebody from the field? I, uh, so I was, as I mentioned earlier, uh, since childhood, since I was a teenager, a portrait of a guy in STEM. Let's in my in my case, it's those who are working in computing sciences, were very much made by the people that was uh, that surrounded my brother, and I didn't find them attractive at all. So, I intentionally, I think, was avoiding guys like sysadmins or <laughs> engineers because they had some flavor of uh, of something that doesn't attract me. and um, mm-hmm. but when uh, it happened, for example, the first my first sexual partner here was actually the guy like she said me. <laughs> okay. And um, then there were also um, guys who were the man quite dated were also in uh, engineering this digital infrastructures. Mm-hmm. And um, my current partner, he is also in science. I never thought that I actually would be with those guys. And uh, honestly, I never analyzed. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it like that now? <laughs> so let's say I didn't want that. But if there are some other characteristics that attract me, so then let it be so. So I believe it's not about specifically science or STEM, like STEM thing. It's a combination of um, features of characters, uh, what they like, and who those persons are. Well, actually, yeah, that's a really 
good point that leads me on to my next question, which is, you know, what are the most important things you look for in a partner? You just mentioned a couple of different categories, and I'm wondering if you could elaborate a little bit. So putting STEM to one side, what do you look for in a partner? You know, when you look for a partner, you don't go around with a list, I think. (laughs) But what I want to see uh, that my partner is supportive, honest, Mm -hmm. open, open meaning open to the things that are happening around us in -hmm. this world, Uh, that doesn't have like, who open to adventures, open to uh, new knowledge, to new people in our life. So the one way can dive into adventures because I'm adventurous and curious person and the Mm -hmm. one who uh, will accept me as who I am. I think yeah. that is important. Some years ago, there was another characteristic, like the man who would also provide, but now it's not important anymore. <laughs> mm. And what changed? How did that go from being important to not important? Was it that shift from doing what you thought you supposed to do versus... There is a diff- there is a shift in my personality because as I'm 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 the person with a Russian background, mm-hmm. and in Russia you are very much and I the person who was like uh, very much driven and by the idea that uh, man uh, in a family uh, is the most important person. That's the person who provides, who, who makes your life financially stable, and woman is just uh, someone who cooks clean, you know, do these household chores. And uh, I was very much followed and driven by this concept. But within time, uh, and thanks to my international life experience, I became more empowered about myself Mm. as a woman and what I can do. And I see that a man is uh, a partner along my life, first of all. And uh, financial parts can be split between us so it's not Mm. only up to him I myself can also be an influencer in our relations yeah that's a pretty big shift all of us in some ways are influenced by the culture and the society that we grow up in so to just get a little bit more into the nuts and bolts of your experience if you think about dating men in STEM do you remember Who asked who out? Was it you? Was it them? Was it a mutual thing? I was thinking about that and I came to conclusion that in all of the situations, it was they who asked me out. Uh Uh, Either was it online dating or online, especially we met online and then we decided to to meet. Or, I know, at university... So, yeah, every time it was them, because there was also a moment in my life when I, again, was followed by the initiative of a man. So I was a bit afraid to um, invite for a day them themselves. So when I saw some interest from their side, then I got the feeling, okay, there, then we can try. So otherwise, if there is no interest from their side, why should I try? <laughs> so... <laughs> A bit of a crazy idea, now I understand that, but uh, that's how it was. That's how it was that. But uh, when 
but then what happened during those days, it's another story. So. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about that other story. So, but I, I think we'll come to that. Um, also, and, and so did you primarily meet your partners for dating or other forms of relationships, mainly online? Or did you also ever meet in person or through other means? And you said through friends and uh, sort of your, your wider social network. Yes, I did it in a different ways. So when the like decades ago the internet was on its rise and there were different <laughs> messengers like ICQ, everything before. Wow. Food. Yes. My first days happened actually through ICQ. That is amazing. Like that's a throwback. I remember my ICQ and the sound it would make when it would go off. Exactly. Yeah. So I met absolutely weird, uh, like people online. And by weird, I mean, um, you know, nothing. I mean, you can't even call each other. But then for some reason, you decide, okay, let's give it a try. Mm-hmm. And uh, you meet them. Uh, so, yeah, I also dated people like um, brothers of my friends or mm-hmm. colleagues or my classmates. So, yeah, I think I tried different approaches because uh, I was I was curious in different forms of that yes that's quite a wide swathe of experiences and approaches so I'm wondering then if you reflect over your life's experience of dating men in STEM have you noticed any trends like what would you say have been the the best parts of these experiences so the guys in STEM, mainly who I dated, they come from the field of computer and science. And I'm the one who who doesn't have an experience of programming or the software, hardware things. I have very limited knowledge, let's say, about that. And this area mm-hmm. has never been uh, in the like, scope of my interests. I found it absolutely boring. But when those guys started talking about what they are doing, for example, security of the networks, it's it's like you're diving with them into absolutely unknown world. And they're so passionate usually about the things they do and how they do that. You just listen to them with your open mouth <laughs> because everything is so cool. You don't understand a lot, but it sounds so <laughs> sexy. And mm-hmm. you just um, you just explore another world with them. And uh, that is the cool thing, because they're very passionate about what they're doing. And I think those who are in computing science, they're, they were born for that. I think once you're in computing science, you will stay in computing science. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, But here is a catch, because if it's just about computing science or any other science, then it's become boring at some point. <laughs> fair, fair dues. So having, having passion is sexy, but having passion for only one thing may be less sexy. That, that is, yes. Well, maybe this is a good lead in to my next question, which is really the other side of the coin, which is in your experience... What has frustrated you about dating men in STEM? What have been the worst parts of these experiences? To begin with, I 
I had struggles with their day schedules. For some reason, they like to work at night and um, you have to, to find some balance where you want to do something together. And in most cases, it was me who had to do those changes or adapt mm. to their schedule. And um, I think that was also one of those things that made the relations end. Mm-hmm. Because there's, again, you're struggling not with a person, you're struggling with a passion they have. Mm. And uh, if the person has this as passion, you either accept it or you just step aside. That was one of the things that you have to struggle. Then the patterns you really need to, if they do not have many other interests, because they spend a lot of time in this virtual world, digital world, you need to step in and be more active towards something else. Like, let's do this, let's do that. Uh, like, besides your work or your studies. And this is also energy demanding things when you need mm-hmm. to create, um, create an activity, like an idea of doing something together extra. Even sometimes to get those people out of their rooms is already a challenge because they are so attached to their chairs that um, that that was something I had to spend energy on. This kind of patterns that comes first, I would say. Yeah, uh, and there are also patterns about like. Social interactions, I would say. Uh, they okay. have a very fixed circle of people that I would call it comfort zone. They have a couple, like several, up to, let's say up to five absolutely close, close friends that uh, they like to interact regularly. They were not very much flexible in terms of meeting other new people. So you, at least I got a feeling that I got into the box, like a greenhouse. It's it's very nice. It goes here. It can look in a different way. Either a room, a couple of like several people that I'm nice with, mm-hmm. that are nice with me, and uh, plus this schedule that also helps me helps them to to deal with their work. And you either find uh, a spot in this greenhouse for yourself. Or you need to think about something else when you're not comfortable there. Hmm. So when you say building a box in that context, more that the world's a bit smaller in a way? Yes. You at some point start feeling limited. And I'm and I'm particularly the person who is very curious. I'm open to new things in the world that new topics, new themes. I like to try different activities. I'm not very stable in my hobbies, let's say. So I have like um, a hobby, like uh, let's say it's knitting that comes from my childhood and I'm still into that. But then that still I want to try, I don't know, it can be canoeing, hiking, moldering, some silver workshops. So, and it would be good to try these kind of things with your partner, but 
with those guys in computer science, it was very difficult to, to persuade them to try something new. So I think that's a good takeaway from, from this part of our conversation, which is making space for trying new things. And it sounds like, you know, it doesn't have to be everything under the sun, but some variety, especially something that you can do together with exactly. each other. Yeah. yeah. That's powerful stuff, isn't it? It's important to think about how we can take the initiative in our relationships and how that might impact on our partners. So again, if you would like to hear the extended interview, remember that is available by heading over to patreon.com. But before we wrap up today, I ask each of my guests to share what they'd like my listeners to take away from, from their story, from the experience that they've shared with us. And I'd love to have Paulina share with you now what she hopes you would take away from our conversation today. I just want to make a comment that I'm actually very happy that I, I forgot about the generalization that men in STEM can be a disaster uh, because I was followed very much for the stereotype and I absolutely forgot that every person is unique and everyone has a their world and um, they got a chance to to have interesting relations and I just hope that guys in STEM also do not categorize ours women in a particular way so mm-hmm. like women in STEM for example yes there are women in STEM and to some extent I am I am myself now woman in STEM but yeah. What does this mean? I mean, it's just put me in a particular field, but as a personality, I'm more than that. That's just my like professional life. There are so many components and that make me as a personality, that make me as a sexual partner, as a, um, as a woman. So I just have some hope that those guys do not like guys in specifically in computer science they do not categorize women because what i also noticed through the friends of of my brother for example mm-hmm. uh, his friends in computing science they kind of feel very easy to find uh, a partner for themselves who are also in computing science Maybe just because it's easier, maybe just because they spent a lot of time together, or maybe they just afraid to step out of their comfort comfort zone, like this mm. box that I mentioned. I just hope they can be more open to to other women that's around. So because that's. There are so many components that make us unique in our own way. And um, I don't know, there is there is no point in running out of something like guys from computer science. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just explore and uh, even I'm now with a partner who is in science. To some extent, he is the person who really stands out from his colleagues. 
because he is more open and social. And But as he mentioned himself, he really put an effort into that. Yeah. He himself mentions that uh, he, at one point, at some moment in his life, he decided to be different. He decided that I want to be better. And he did that. And uh, to some extent, I'm very thankful that many years ago he made this choice. And we found each other. Beautiful. And yeah, I mean, what I what I heard coming out of your summation, thank you for for that, was like kind of two takeaway messages. One of them, don't generalize. And I think that is very good advice, in particular for my clients, because I think there are sometimes social forces that say to men, all women are like X, all women want X. And when you can get out of that way of thinking, you create a lot more space for meeting fantastic and interesting and sexy people that are all around you. And the other big takeaway that I'm hearing is get curious, get curious about other people, get curious about life, get curious about yourself. And and I think overall, those are very empowering messages indeed. So Paulina, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. And we'll be back with more sexual craftsmanship next week. Thank you so much. That was a very interesting experience for myself. Thanks for listening. If you want to jump right into the sexual craftsmanship process, head on over to sexualcraftsmanship.com backslash friendzone and download your free guide to avoiding the friend zone for good, including five exact scripts you can use today.